Hello and welcome to the Top Story, a podcast with the headlines of the day from our correspondents around the world. I'm Cizhu. Coming up in this edition, Egyptian security sources say both Israel and Hamas are open to a renewed ceasefire and hostage release deal. Serbian President Alexander Vucic has claimed a sweeping victory in Sunday's snap parliamentary election. And the humanitarian situation is worsening in Sudan as fighting between the Sudan's army and the paramilitary rapid support forces escalates in Wat Madan. Starting with the Israel-Palestine conflict, security sources in Egypt say that Israel and Hamas are open to a renewed ceasefire and hostage release deal. Families of Israeli hostages are pressuring the government to negotiate. This follows the mistaken killing of three hostages by the Israeli army. Stephanie Fried reports from Tel Aviv. Time is running out. The sense of urgency is growing among Israelis, pushing for the release of more than 120 hostages held in Gaza. Bring them home now. Eighty-seven hostages were released in November as part of a Hamas-Israel ceasefire deal. Released detainees are revealing details of starvation, sexual abuse, and various forms of torture they endured at the hands of Hamas and other captors. Angry, anxious families of captives still held inside Gaza are losing patience with Israel's government and demanding officials negotiate a new deal to get their loved ones out. I was there. My daughter was there. Every day that passes is a danger to their lives. On Friday, Israel's military announced three hostages were mistakenly shot dead by Israeli soldiers operating in Gaza, who mistook them for terror operatives. News of the tragic shooting is heightening a communal sense of urgency. They made us think no one was fighting to bring us back home, but here we are today, standing before you. Israel's war cabinet convened amidst heightened pressure and swirling talk of plans for a new release deal. Israel's Mossad chief reportedly met Qatar's prime minister Friday to discuss a new deal. Qatar and Egypt brokered the Israel-Hamas temporary ceasefire hostage release deal. That's Stephanie Fried. In other developments, Israel says it has uncovered the biggest Hamas tunnel in the Gaza Strip so far, as Israeli attacks continue up and down the territory. Gaza's health ministry says the Israeli strikes on the Jabalia refugee camp have killed at least 90 Palestinians. Philip Crowther with the Associated Press reports from Jerusalem. Well, the Israeli military says that that tunnel was used in the attack by Hamas militants on Israel on October the 7th. It also says that the entryway was just a few hundred meters away from the Erez crossing and the military base nearby. Now that crossing, the militants managed to break past it on the 7th of October. They overran the military base and took several Israeli soldiers. As hostages, we also know that this tunnel was wide enough for cars to drive through,、uh, and indeed that it linked up with a wider tunnel network inside the Gaza Strip. Now, what this discovery, though, does lead to are questions as to how it was not detected beforehand, and indeed the larger question is how the Israeli military, its intelligence services, or its politicians were unable to detect. Any of this activity to lead to such a large-scale attack on Israel? That was Philip Crowther in Jerusalem.
The World Health Organization has denounced the destruction of the Kamal Adwan Hospital in northern Gaza. This comes after the Israeli army withdrew from the hospital after an operation lasting several days, claiming it had been used as a command center by Hamas. The militant group has denied such claims. The WHO has also described Gaza's Al Shifa hospital as a bloodbath, saying the enclave's main health facility is short-staffed and completely overwhelmed. Noor Harazin has more from Gaza. Uh, well, yes, what happened inside the Al Shifa hospital over the past week was very um, catastrophic. Uh, the fact that he, uh, the Al Shifa hospital, which is uh, Gaza's biggest medical complex, I mean, even people who uh, previously get injured in southern Gaza or in uh, far north Gaza, they would seek help inside the Al Shifa hospital. Now, the Al Shifa hospital, the system there has collapsed, especially after the Israeli uh, siege and with the Israeli. Uh, bulldozers stormed into a Shifa hospital, arrested the medical teams inside the Shifa hospital. Yes, it is back working now. However, very, very um, small and slow capacity, adding the fact that there is more people, displaced people who are now taking shelter inside the Shifa hospital. But for now, the Shifa hospital is actually the one and only hospital that is operating in northern Gaza. Um, Kamal Udwan Hospital, the Indonesian Hospital, the Al-Ma'madani Hospital, all of these hospitals that used to be operating in northern Gaza, they have stopped operating. Now, due to the lack of medicine, medical supplies, fuel, and also the continuous Israeli attacks in and around the hospitals. That was Noah Harazin reporting from Gaza. Also in the Middle East, the U.S. and France are weighing in on a potential military strike on the Houthi forces in Yemen. The Houthi group has been blamed for escalating attacks on ships in the Red Sea. The U.S., France and the U.K. have deployed their navies to the region as a response to a growing number of drone strikes against commercial traffic. Ellen Fekloh is more. They're divided over Israel's retaliation against Hamas, but the U.S. and Europe are united over another growing regional threat. The U.S. Navy shooting down 14 attack drones while British allies down one more over the Red Sea on Saturday. Houthi forces based in Yemen have hijacked and targeted ships with drones to both attack Israel in support of Hamas and disrupt traffic in one of the world's most important maritime cargo routes. And as the Biden administration reportedly weighs a direct military response, France's foreign minister is thinking along the same lines. The increase in such obstacles to freedom of movement and these attacks cannot go unanswered. We're studying several options. Earlier this month, a U.S. destroyer shot down three drones after three commercial ships in the Red Sea were hit by ballistic missiles fired from Houthi-controlled areas of Yemen. And over the weekend, three of the world's biggest container shipping companies, Maersk, CMA, CGM and Hapag Lloyd, ordered their vessels to stop journeys through the Red Sea. Houthi leaders say they are in discussions brokered by Oman over the attacks, but insist they will continue targeting Israeli-linked ships until what they describe as the siege of Gaza is lifted. That's Aaron Feklo reporting from Washington. Turning to Europe, Serbian President Aleksandr Vucic has claimed a sweeping victory in Sunday's snap parliamentary election. He said the country will stay on a path to European Union accession. But the opposition coalition accused the ruling party of election fraud and says it will complain to the State Election Commission. Alyosin Milenkovic has more from Belgrade. 
on Saturday, there was a meeting between the representatives of Serbian Ministry of Interior with representatives of the opposition. That meeting was supposed to, to be, well, behind the closed doors, unofficial, off the record, but apparently somebody from the opposition recorded that meeting, and audio recording, seven and a half minutes long, actually went public some two or three hours just before the closing of the voting stations across the country. It was very interesting audio recording where we can hear that uh, the opposition uh, is claiming that they have some information that somebody or third party might provoke some incidents right after the elections election results are announced. Then we also can hear Ministry of Interior representatives saying uh, the opposite, that they have information that the opposition will start or will create uh, a commotion or a riots after the election uh, voting stations are closed. It was very interesting to hear from both sides, but interesting is also that the Ministry of Interior con confirmed the authenticity of that recording, but also condemned the opposition for recording that uh, without uh, prior consent, without any knowledge, and of course for publishing it. The uh, Serbian Progressive Party maintains its leadership, maintains uh, its governance over the country, that uh, Serbia will continue its current course, and it is a course with let's say, sitting on two chairs at the same time. In one, on one hand, still negotiating EU membership with the Brussels, and on another, still being or keeping very good relations with both Russia and China. That was Alyosa Milenkovic reporting from Belgrade. In Africa, the humanitarian situation is worsening in Sudan, as fighting between the Sudan's army and the paramilitary rapid support forces escalates in Wat Madani. The escalation has forced thousands of people to flee. Nava Muhyiddin has more. Um, actually, yes, Madani was expected, like the fighting to be morphed into wider places and extended to Al Jazeera State. It was long expected because uh, maybe Madani or Al Jazeera State is an agricultural hub and it's a basket for many cities and it links central Sudan to main cities, including eastern Sudan, western Sudan and White Nile State. So Madani is crucial. Uh, this is why RSF maybe are targeting it and another reason is also that uh, most of the petroleum uh, reservoirs and stations are in Madani because it's um, now also hosting large number of people, the services, industries, factories and also petroleum now is uh, in Madani and uh, many people and traders and banks and governmental institutions uh, moved to Madani. Al Jazeera state is also fragile, especially in eastern Al Jazeera where RSF right now are penetrating into eastern Al Jazeera and trying to surround Madani from many fronts. And uh, also in eastern Al Jazeera, RSF looted some banks and uh, set fire on police stations. So the situation in Al Jazeera state in eastern Al Jazeera is terrifying. Actually, people are suspecting that these talks will be held because right now with the escalation after promises of de-escalation, RSF and military right now are de-escalating and uh, the war and conflict is moving into safer regions, so we don't know whether it's a tactic or a strategy by RSF to get a pressure card on negotiation and a point to have a strong negotiation point. So uh, people are so skeptical uh, about these talks that will be held. There is no comment by the uh, Sudanese army. There is no comment by uh, Sudanese Minister of Foreign Affairs and by the talks facilitators. We hope that the attack on Madani is just a uh, 
a chaotic attack and not a strategic attack by RSF. And we hope that the two sides will just figure out that uh, this war is consuming people and consuming the country and can uh, sit in one uh, negotiation table very soon to end this chaotic war. That was Naba Muhyiddin on the fighting between Sudan's army and the RSF. Finally, in Asia, Japan has hosted a three-day special summit that commemorates the 50 years of ties between Japan and ASEAN. Southeast Asian and Japanese leaders have agreed to boost cooperation in promoting regional peace and stability. Torrance Tarashima reports. Leaders from Japan and the Association of Southeast Asian Nations adopted a three-pillar joint vision consisting of people-to-people exchanges, the co-creation of the economy and society, and peace and stability. Prime Minister Fumio Kishida and Indonesian President Joko Widodo held a press conference after the meeting. Kishida said Japan wants to cooperate closer than ever with ASEAN through a principle of trust, while President Widodo said partnerships need to be future-oriented. The leaders adopted a plan involving 130 projects. Japan called for a step-up in security and defence cooperation. It also reinforced support to tackle climate changes and promised more investment, including in the region's next-generation electric automobile industry. Prime Minister Kishida said Japan will invest about 35 billion US dollars in both public and private sector over the next five years. Experts say the vision marks the changes in Japan-ASEAN relations before Tokyo supported the region through development aid. Some analysts say GDP of the rapidly growing ASEAN nation could overtake that of Japan by 2030, signaling an era where both sides complement each other's strengths and weaknesses. That was Torrance Tarashima in Japan. Now, recapping today's headlines, security sources in Egypt say that Israel and Hamas are open to a renewed ceasefire and hostage release deal. Serbian President Alexander Vucic has claimed a sweeping victory in Sunday's snap parliamentary election. And the humanitarian situation is worsening in Sudan as fighting between the army and the paramilitary rapid support forces escalates in Wat Madani. And that's it for this edition of The Top Story, a podcast that brings you world headlines every weekday. For more news in politics, business, sports and culture, you can subscribe to The Beijing Hour, a one-hour podcast news magazine program. We welcome and appreciate all ratings and reviews. I'm Xi Zhi. Thanks for listening.